everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Clear as Mud, where we talk to game developers from all walks of life about their personal and professional journeys. I'm your host, Graham Waldrop. As always, our show is presented by Mudstack, the only asset management and collaboration tool custom-built for game studios and digital artists. For more information, head over to mudstack.com. Today, we welcome Pierre Bergoni, FX Division Art Director at Digic Pictures. Have you ever watched one of those CG cinematic trailers for a game online and wondered what the process was like for creating that? Well, look no further, because Pierre has had a hand in creating trailers for the Assassin's Creed franchise, Rainbow Six franchise, and he worked on the cinematics for Call of Duty Vanguard. We get into all that and a whole lot more in this episode of Clear as Mud. Enjoy. All right, so Pierre, you've done a lot of really great work on, on VFX for game cinematics and game trailers and some of your own work. Were you always interested in visual effects or is that something that came along a little later in life? No, yeah. Actually, I was always interested in, let's say, CG, like computer graphics, more than visual effects. I think like this is such a complex industry and most of the time we are all thinking of being animators because that's something that everybody's watching first, like the life of the characters. And then you start to study in it. That's what I did. I started to study in that. And I realized that there is a bunch of work. And like one image is like, let's say, the work of 50 artists sometime. And it's not just about being an animator. It's being like a texture artist, lighting, compositing, storyboard. Like every single shot is so complex. There is so many jobs there that I had to look into that. And yeah, during my studies, uh, we had classes about how to be generalists. And I discovered the effects. And I liked it because I was looking for something technical. And at the same time, I liked the animation and the timing. And FX is kind of the merging point of those two. Do you still dabble at all in animation or are you just strictly focused on, on CG? For the moment, I'm really, really focused into game trailers and especially FX, so visual FX. Uh, but like the good thing with this is like I can basically go into anything like VFX, so pure realistic effects or more cartoony one for animation because the techniques we are using are the same. It's just the way we render it and the shading and all those parts are different. Yeah, that's definitely something I want to get into with your work on Call of Duty Vanguard. I mean, let's start with the water effects. The work that you and your team did on this game for the water effects in particular. I mean, all of it's great, but I'm always just really interested in water. I think water's come a long way even over the last five years or so. Um, in terms of how it's being rendered using CG and also even being rendered in game engines. But how did your team achieve that level of visual fidelity in particular with the water effects? It was like a huge teamwork, basically. Like uh, from the beginning, we were starting to work on what we call look dev. It's, you know, when the storyboard is still in progress and you have to find out answer because the client wanted to feel the ships huge and strong and but on kind of a calm motion. So we had to develop that. But it's really a teamwork. Like we had concept artists working on specific frames to show us how the ocean can look. And then it's all about, you know, like finding the good HDR to have proper reflection in the water, uh, iterating a lot. That's I think that's like nothing come by magic. It's always about iteration. The first renders are always ugly and then you iterate on it and make it better and better. So here on this specific project, we were two FX artists actually. I was in charge of the simulation parts and like uh, the other artist who is a senior guy who was working on the meshing and the rendering part. 
So it was really like a full teamwork because at the same time we were we needed to communicate with the lighting artist and the compositing artist and yeah it's definitely a teamwork from the beginning of the production till the end. And so what, what is, how does that start when you when you get an assignment like that? Is it you know is it um, is it storyboarded out and like is there an animatic or anything like that or do you guys have a different approach? Uh, basically, the first time is like the panic moment when they tell you, okay, we have a huge shot with like three giant ships and you have to do all the simulations. And then we are talking with the technical guy, like the storyboard, how can we make it technically possible? Because, you know, if you have like one large shot of like, the shot was 300 frames. And if you don't have anything to cut the ocean, you needed like a huge ocean with huge technical power for computing this simulation. So basically, yeah, it's, this is the moment where we have to think about, okay, uh, this is what they want. How can we technically achieve that? How can we optimize it to make it hard directable? Here, for instance, on this, because it was three huge ships, uh, I decided to work on a simulation ship by ship. So if there is a, a simulation that they like, but the behavior of the giant ship is not working for them, we could control that. And at the same time, we were moving forward with our loop dev and the concept art division, who was providing concepts to the client. We were sending simulations, and the client was choosing, okay, this is the kind of look we want. And at the same time, we sent them some real-life reference, because even if we are doing full CG, uh, when we are dealing with something like water, we have to stick to the reality, because the point of the shot was not the water. Water have to be here, but... The main point is to show how huge the ship is. So we don't have, we had to be super careful not to destroy the image of, you know, like disturb the eye. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, it's not the focus of the shot, but it's just, it's there. Yeah. And that's the, that's the trick because, you know, we have to, it's your work. So you want to show it to everyone, but at the same time, you have to remember what is the point of the shot when you are doing, let's say a huge explosion shot. And the shot is about the explosion. You can go crazy and destroy everything, make fire everywhere. But when the shot is about something else, like a character or like the ship, you have to be super careful not to take too much attention of the audience or the audience because that's not the point here. Yeah. And what about like the water kicking up from the ship? Um, I also thought that looked fantastic when the you know the, the water's like coming up, like the the the, the ships. Or cutting through the water and the you know the water spraying everywhere I and mean, that that looked that also looked really good i mean i just think about games in terms of how they've evolved or like the water effects always looked i don't know they just didn't look right but that looks right that looks pretty darn realistic to me what you guys did oh thanks yeah actually it was like a lot lot i remember we spent like maybe one week looking for references and you know analyzing every every single one of them to see what are the elements of a simulation i mean if we consider real life like as a simulation, how would do we, how would we replicate that in the software? And yeah, we ended up doing different simulations, you know, like and trying to control the things. And actually, what's tricky with water is like, uh, if you are doing like a simulation and you want this rolling water in front of the ship, it can be tricky because you know in games there is like kind of the ripples. And here we had to find a way. I mean, I had to find a way to create this interesting jumping water. So basically I just ended up doing like a kind of a geometry that was uh, rolling the water in front of the ship to control exactly how it behaves. 
And because we're not rendering this geometry in the end, like it's kind of working. Yeah, I'm sure you're also taking into account like what the speed of the ship is, right? In terms of how much water is coming up. So you got to think about that too. Yep. And actually that's something super interesting that you're mentioning that because uh, it's like a physical based software. So the water is kind of behaving and the scale is super important in this kind of simulation and the speed of the ship as well. So uh, that's something we had to discuss with the animators uh, to tell them, okay, you should move to 25 kilometers per hour maximum for the ship because otherwise for us, it's going to create two big waves or it's going to be a trouble for us and a pain. So right. yeah, yeah, that's that was something that we had to check on internet, you know, and ask the client the actual model of the ship so we can check on Wikipedia what is the speed of this kind of ship. And then we can internally ask the animators, okay, don't go too crazy with the speed because we need that for the water simulation. And is this... And the work you guys did, was it in an engine or was it not in an engine? No, 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 definitely not. It was full rendered. Fully rendered, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's like, there is like a lot of, and I think they didn't even try to sell it as an engine. They showed that it was like fully rendered. Mm -hmm. It was really like the cinematics of the game. I was not, I didn't have time to play it, sadly. I want to take the time one day to try it. But yeah, like it's. I think there is some transition anyway between the cinematics and the in-game. But no, like all the campaigns, cinematic were the rendered one. At least the one we worked on. Of course, there is like in-game stuff halfway in the mission. But we had to work on some of those cinematics, and then they used it in the trailer to sell the game. And have you ever worked in engine before with with the cinematic, or have you always just done fully rendered? rendered pieces uh we did something uh it was for uh a game called um the cinematic got released few days ago uh it uh, no a few weeks ago sorry it's for a game called marvel the midnight suns mm -hmm. and we provided them some like uh it's not in game but it's in engine in so engine. it's unreal engine fully mm -hmm. but it's not like in game cinematic we just gave like data cinematic and in engine but i'm honestly i prefer like the full cg one just because the real time is a different kind of approach in vfx like uh in computer graphics rendered versions we can go crazy and you know add a lot of details and bring a lot of stuff particles debris smoke we can bring some details but like in engine like unreal or unity you have to make sure that it's running before the quality you have to be sure that at least it can run in the engine real time yeah and that would definitely restrict the, um the amount of fidelity you guys could could produce if, if you're doing it in engine yeah that's why honestly sometimes when i'm playing some games i'm amazed to see some effects you know and be like whoa like it's working it's not like of course the collisions because that's something that engine is struggling with is like in uh so we are using houdini which is like a software like Maya or FDS Max, but it's kind of mainly for FX right now in the industry. And uh, we we can, with this software, deal with real collisions. So if you have water hitting a ship, it's going to like have the real collision and shaping it. And in engine, it's like harder to work with actual collision because that's something super heavy. Yeah, yeah. How was it like working with the studio working on Vanguard? Was it was it a good collaborative experience? What was what was that like? It was it was super interesting actually because they were super caring about the historical part, like staying accurate. 
like if I have to talk about the visual effects part, uh, there is a moment we submitted like a dark smoke and they told us, okay guys, but be careful because at that time this kind of tank was using this kind of fuel so the smoke was gray and not dark. So, you know, it's always super interesting to work with like those kind of guys that work on like those kind of clients that work, let's say, four years on a game because they know historical part of the universe of the game, how it should be. And we are, yeah, it's a collaboration. Basically, we can suggest ideas, they give feedback and it's always super interesting. And we are working with, I mean, I am working with such different clients all the time that we are always learning. The uh, the smoke effects also were really impressive, and uh, not just on like how tanks fire, but like from from cigarettes or cigars and things like that. Walk through that, like when you're creating a smoke effect, is it do you start with like making as much smoke as possible and sort of peeling it back, or what is your process like there? Uh, it really depends on the artist. The way I'm always working is, and the way I'm supervising now is to say to the artist, always go to the extremes. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's it always easier to say, like, okay, there is too much smoke, divide by two, than, you know, saying, okay, 10 plus percent, okay, just 15% more. Like, so I'm always going, like, crazy and going down a bit, coming down the smoke and something like this. For the smoke on the cigarette, like the cigarette smokes, it was a bit more painful because uh, the character was smoking a lot, so it was kind of repetitive for most of the artists because, of course, like... The thing that is interesting is like in this kind of cinematics, it's like shot work. So every time you are seeing a cigarette smoke, it means that someone worked on it. And when there is a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems to be a common thing and with, with a lot of uh, a lot of people, whether they're doing uh, VFX or, or modeling, it's like start with more than what you actually need. It makes it a lot easier. And honestly, that's something that amazes me in this industry, the fact that nothing that because it's full cg trailer so the fact that everything in the image is created by someone i mean because that's framework it's not like video game i mean even in video game everything is done by someone but you know like it's a full environment where you can travel but here in full cg because there is a camera you know like everything is placed by someone and that's something that's always amazed me to watch it as a full thing and nobody's like really checking the details because the main point is always the character or the story or something, but there is so many details everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the sign of those details working though. If you're not paying attention to them, if they just feel like they are a part of the world, then people don't notice them as much. Yeah. Right. Unless you're really technically minded. Yeah. I think that's the super interesting things when you are like posing a video and like immediately like spotting the details that you didn't saw before. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you worked on the, the Dawn of Ragnarok trailer. Uh, that's some pretty impressive stuff there. I mean, in terms of all the different elements, uh, all the different things that are happening, very action-based trailer, lots of violence. It's also dark but um, at night, but you can see everything that's going on, uh, really fluid animations, really cool effects, fire effects, things like that. Um, that's always one of the things that kind of um, bugs me now about a lot of just like movies or TV shows. It's like when it's when it's like a night scene. Sometimes it's really hard to make out what's going on. And obviously, you're working in a, a slightly different medium. But the thing I appreciate about that trailer the most was I could see everything, even though it was at night. It was very clear what was going uh, on. Um, yeah, talk talk through the process of making that trailer. I think that's uh, honestly like what you were mentioning is I think the biggest fear of everyone 
you know, the like I see that when I'm doing some fire effects or something that I care about the shader. And if you are working on the right screen or the left screen or checking it on a phone or another someone else computer, you know, the color change. So I think that, yeah, working button by night is like tricky. And that's why there is this grading where they are working on a computer with the correct colors. And then everybody have different results on their phone and on their computer. Yeah. And yeah, on Assassin's Creed Dawn of Ragnarok, it was a bit different for me because I was working on another trailer and uh, I had a few days free and I came here to help the guys. And uh, yeah, I just worked on some blood. The trailer was about um, the Nordic myth uh, mythology. So it was about like, uh, not frost giant, but the lava giant star like with lava blood. So we had to work on that, but I didn't got like through all the process of look Devin going with the client. I really came as a shot support for a few days. Yeah, just just on a, sp a few specific things. Yeah, but it was amazing actually because the trailer is looking so good, and I was happy like to just be amazed by the work of my colleagues and be like, whoa! Because yeah, as you mentioned, there is like complexity in the image, but we it's still like. Uh, the composition of uh, the image is still good and we can still see what's happening because I think it's hard when you are like putting, especially with effects, because there is a bunch of effects in this trailer, you know, like flying particles, fire, people fighting in the middle of the, the shots. It's hard to make it like with a good composition so we can understand what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, a big challenge, but, um, it was definitely really pulled off well in that trailer. Um, and you've you've transitioned now to to being an art director. Um, talk about some of the challenges that you face doing that compared to just doing you know the VFX work. Now you're you're now you're managing. Now you're um, you know seeing the you, you know you you have the vision now, right? So like take us through that process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Basically, I'm still working as an artist as well, like a senior artist mm -hmm. and art director on the project. So I don't I didn't want it to lose the shot work, honestly. And yeah, like right now. Uh, my goal is just to be careful about the visual look of the trailer for the FX part only and uh, help the artists. So telling them my vision of the FX, that's what I was mentioning before. The fact that for me, it's important to know your place in the shot. Like, is it the main effects and everybody have to watch it? Or is it just some contacts on the floor because the character is working on the sand? So that's something because we can we are all working on our shots, so it's easy to think that this is the main thing and you want to show it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's always a balance with everyone. Like the lighter, the lighting artists have to be careful that the light have to help the story and it's the same for the FX. We have to be here to support the film, help the narration and the storytelling and don't be here to show our effects. This is only for the hero shots. There is shots like this where it's on, only about effects. But most of the times, you know, a good effect is an effect that you don't see. But like you would miss it if it was not here in the shot. Like just simple smoke on the ground when characters are working, walking, sorry. Or when someone got shot, some spray of blood flying, you know, like to add those level of detail. And so this is what I'm aiming for, like telling to the artist to be careful about that. Be careful about the composition of the image as well. Uh, the technical side, because sometimes we are trying, like, 
doing FX is like a technical job as well. And sometimes people tend to like go too crazy into like, okay, that's a water simulation. I can go super crazy, simulate for 10 hours. But the issue with that is like, if you want to iterate 10 hours of simulation, it's like one iteration a day. So this is something also I have to mention to the artist to be careful about not overkilling the effect. Be careful to be sure that it's like easily controllable and especially hard directable. Because sometimes we can just say like there is debris flying and there is one rock that we really don't like because it's really like bothering the eye. So that's something we have to be sure that we can just delete that rock specifically and be sure that everything else is working. Yeah, that was actually something I was going to ask. Like sometimes when you're working, especially with, with younger talent, whether it's a, an actor, actress, uh, uh, or a could be, you know, in a VFX field too, I would imagine it's like someone's coming in there trying to prove themselves. Someone's trying to make something a little too grandiose when it just needs to support, you know, the overall story. I know you kind of mentioned a little bit of, uh, of, a, of an example of that, but you have, do you have any other examples of someone doing that? And how do you pull them back in a way that doesn't stifle their creativity, but, you know, still is encouraging, but lets them know like, hey, this is, you don't need to go this crazy on uh, on on what you're working on. Yeah, basically, like there is so many examples, but it's not like the artist want to show too much his work. It's just that you know when we tell you, okay, there is a huge shooting sequence and people are under the fire, and we tell them like, okay, put debris and smoke everywhere. Sometimes it can be too much, and we just have to say, okay, lower down the debris size or be careful with the smoke or maybe push the things on the side so the focus is still on the character. So it's really like shot depending, honestly. Like it was kind of what I did for the ocean on uh, Call of Duty Wangward. It was like the ocean have to be here, but I don't want it too crazy, like jumping everywhere because the point is the ship here. Yeah, yeah. And when you're, what about when you're setting up like, uh, or how do you balance when you're still doing your work on on the project, but you're also having to manage? How do you balance that out? Oof. Actually, this is my first project, so like the balance is still not really balanced. Yeah, uh, it's hard because like right now, when people ask me help, I'm directly taking, stopping what I'm doing and jumping to the call and helping them. And I think that's where the balance comes when you know when you need to like call directly or like you can finish your quick stuff and then jump with them. So the balance is still tricky. I still have time. It's just like. I don't, I have to be a bit more straightforward, but I think that's why it's good to be like senior because I know on my shot what will work and what won't, so I don't lose that time. So it can help me to have a quick result. That's, yeah, basically that's how I'm iterating nowadays. It's like I want to have a quick result to be sure that it's working. This way I can save the time if needed to help the artist. Most of the time it's kind of half of the day helping and give giving feedbacks during the dailies. We have dailies every day for that, where we review the work of each other. And it really depends. Sometimes I can like do a setup. That's part of my work as well, to give the artist the technical assistance. So if they have to do, I don't know, a lightning in the sky, uh, and they don't know how to do it technically, I can give them like a part of the answer, like a setup for that in my software. And telling them, okay, I had to quickly do that. You can push that because I also don't want to do everything for them because it still had to be enjoyable. You know, like there is nothing worse, I would say, 
than being an artist and someone is giving you everything and you just have to place elements like the fire is already done and you just have to put fire in the scene. So I always try to give them still some challenges so they can like, they have to push it and they still feel that it's their job and they did it. And even if I helped, it's still their stuff. Well, yeah, I think that's great to hear because uh, it's funny. We've talked to a lot of art directors um, on the show and when they first got into the position, a lot of them said my impulse when someone needed help was just to just do it myself, you know, was to sort of take over whatever the other artist was working on. And they slowly began to realize yeah. that wasn't really the way to do it because one, they get burned out and two, it, it, it alienates that member of the team um, to a degree. So it sounds like yeah. you're, you're approaching it in a, in a way that you, know, you still offer support, but they still have to do the work. Yeah, because in the end, like the the longer you stay in art direction, the more you will have to, uh, you will have more and more artists, and doing it for them is not the way. Because in the end, you will have to always do it, kind of. And you know, growing as a team is part of that as well, like learning together and helping each other. Like that's especially nowadays with I think this COVID and working from home, it like connecting as a team is a bit harder. So like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. And always saying to the artist, like, if you have any question, anytime, feel free. There is no stupid question. Yeah. And how much, like when you guys get a, get a job, how much creativity do you have in terms of what you can do is like someone is someone within your studio actually directing and editing the trailer, or are you guys just playing it, you know, putting the shots or making the shots and someone else is sort of overseeing that outside of your company? I would say it really depends on the project. Some clients really, really have very specific ideas and know exactly what they want. And there is clients that, you know, believe in the company because, you know, like I think like every company, there is this like usual clients that trust and give like projects because they know that this company is used to that. And there is other clients that are more like not picky, but let's say they are very more specific and they already like give us board storyboard and be like, okay, we want that. And some sometimes we just receive like some scripts saying like, okay, that's what we were thinking about. What do you think, guys? Mm -hmm. And what what do you which one do you prefer? Uh, when you have too much freedom, it's hard because you know, like we all have something different in mind. Like let's say I tell you like snow, you will have something completely different than what I have. And uh, that's the trick. And at the same time, when it's too specific, you don't really have freedom. You just do what you receive. So I think the in-between is good when the client have an idea, but you are still free to execute it. That's basically what I had on uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage. I had a fire bomb. And I, that's the only like information I got. Like, okay, there is a fire bomb throwing on the guy and the guy is like a human chill. And you know, that's, not a lot, but that's enough. You know, like everybody know that, okay, I will put fire there. You just start to look for reference and you send that to the client to agree on like an approach for this effect. So I think the in-between is good when you have enough information, but you are not too guided into something. Yeah. And I imagine that the turnaround time on, on these projects is pretty fast, right? Probably like a few months. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's actually what I love because we are working on such different universe all the time. And it's cool game, like that's the games I grew up with basically. So it's 
it's super nice. Sometimes it can be a bit sad because, you know, you wanted to work a bit more on it, but like the time is done. So yeah, that's basically for FX, I would say three months. It really depends on the length of, of the trailer and the complexity of the effect, but it's always around that. So for us, it's, we can work on maybe five or six trailers a year. Have you ever been in a situation where you've gotten notes back from, from a client where you have to not start over, but you have to go back a lot farther than you thought, and then it really makes it a, a race against time? Yeah, I think it's always like this. It's I never like had the like super bad production time where it was like awful and we had to start all over again. There is always like rush period. Because like anyway, even if like everything is going well, there is something, you know, like internet shutdown or electricity or something that like create chaos for one day. But we never had, I mean, I never had personally like a production where we had to go super back in town, back in time because it was awful or the client is really not happy. Or of course, you know, we receive a lot of feedbacks. The film is constantly evolving and yeah, constant. Like basically, till the last week, we're always changing, upgrading the things, trying to make it better till we don't have the time for it. But we never had this time where it's like, okay, guys, it's chaos. We don't, we stop. And I never like experienced that. But how do you how do you manage working remotely? It sounds like you guys aren't aren't working in an office, especially when you are, you know, making making trailers and you're making them very fast. Uh, how, how do you all communicate? Uh, basically, uh, some of us are in the office. I am going sometime, but the majority of the team is still home office. So uh, we are we have a daily uh, daily basis uh, dailies every day uh, where we are like watching the progress of everyone. So of course, like it can be a pressure, but at the same time, there is no judgment. If you have nothing to show, it's okay because sometimes like it needs more time than just one day to update everything. But yeah, like every day we are like with my lead and the artists uh, on a call to talk about the progress, to update the artist about if we received any client feedback or internal feedback by the art directors or something like this. And we have also meetings with the art director and director of the project, but it's just uh, so myself, the art director of the FX and uh, the lead. We are like going on meetings with the hard direction of the company to discuss about what they think, how to improve the things, how to push it, what the client thinks. And, and with that, like, what are some of the, the real pain points and challenges that come up? I think we always find a way to cheat because it's full CG, you know, like there is a static camera or like there is a fixed camera. It's not like video games where you will turn around. So. There is a meme that I love on the internet that shows that, you know, there is this full CG scene that is beautiful, but the behind is like destroyed everywhere and penetration and characters on the ground. And, and yeah, basically, as long as it's looking good to the camera, we don't really care about what's happening behind it. So there is always way, I would say, to cheat. And if it's not working in full CG, there is the compositing stage, which is with the 2D rendered image. And there is magic happening there as well, you know, like you can put God rays, you can paint some stuff if you really like don't like some parts as well. So yeah, because it's a shot basic basis thing, I think there is always a way to cheat and make it like look exactly how you want. That's the good point of doing full CGs, like we have the control of all the elements. 
right? Where it's like you just have to worry about where the camera's looking. You don't have to worry about the the player doing anything. It's just it's just you guys are in total control of of the shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are controlling what everybody will see. You know, it's not like oh yeah, he he can put the camera and move in the environment. That's not what you can do. Only us can do that. Move in this environment and. As long, like in the end, what we deliver is just this camera view with like those assets and this perspective, and there is nothing more. You can see more than what you have on the screen. So it's way easier to cheat that way. And how how big is your team? Uh, it depends on the project. Right now we are ten FX artists, so it really depends. Sometimes you have like small projects where like there is not that many effects so you can be five or six right now we are 10 not in the division just on my current project Mm -hmm. and in the division it really depends you know like nowadays right now actually there is like a lack of fx artists kind of worldwide all the companies are struggling to find people and uh, because you know there is more and more films like there is disney plus netflix so many like production at the same time that the peop- the manpower to work on those films is like hard to find so yeah we are it really depends because we have freelancers as well so the team can balance like the division can balance between 15 and 22 let's say artists that sounds like a good size in the sense of it's you know it's large enough to do the projects that you guys have been assigned but it's not so big that you can't keep track of how everything's going yeah, that's the good thing. Is like we know the human behind the artist as well because like we are not a huge team, and we are enough to have interesting work. And at the same time, if we were way more, you know, the junior artist won't have the possibility to do interesting shots. So I think that's the good balance because uh, someone that started the industry, uh, because we are just like fifteen or twenty, like the junior that just started this job will have the possibility to work on. In- interesting stuff basically and that's something that maybe wouldn't have the possibility if the team was like super big right right yeah especially not being able to know the people you're working with as well yeah that always helps yeah i think it's important especially like now that we are most of us working by from home like if the team is small at least you know everyone and um if someone wanted to get more into VFX, or if that's what they really want to do, and they're they're a student, or or they're looking to break into the industry. What are some like applications people should be using? What are some things people should be watching or playing? And then, um, you know, how do you build a really solid portfolio? Uh, but I honestly feel, and I know it's so easy to say that after it, but I honestly feel that nowadays with internet and all the resources we have there. Anybody can find a job in this industry by learning by himself. There is so many like videos, tutorials on internet for free, basically. Like, and even us, we are still sometimes watching it. You know, like there is some technical issue. We type it on internet, and we find someone that had the same that asked for it, and there is the answer, and we are working with that. So, I would say like it really depends on Udini. Like, this is the software I'm using. is very specific for. VFX, so uh, visual uh, effects, uh, and this is like, yeah, this is basically the software the most used for that, but it's becoming larger and larger in the industry. And otherwise, there is this software called Maya, which is the larger one as well, the industry standard for the modeling, the rendering, the lighting, and all the stuff. 
So I would say that if someone wants to start in this industry, first of all, it's good to know how the industry works. By that, I mean that there is not only animators or character artists. There is like a super complex tree with like so different jobs. And it's important to know this and what are you into, I would say, like, because it's important to know that if you are doing the characters, you won't animate them. There is few companies, super small, where you are generalist and you are doing a lot of things. But the standard nowadays is like you are doing the character, you are giving it to the animators and the riggers that will put the skeleton in the character and, and animate it. Then the animators send it to the lighters that will put the character in the scene, lighting it, rendering it. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's like a complex industry and it's kind of important to know what you are interested in in that. But at the same time, it's good to be a generalist, know kind of everything because you will know the limitation of the other divisions. That's what I'm happy for that I learned uh, as a generalist before doing FX because I'm aware of how to model and animate. And that's something important when you are working with colleagues that are animators, because you kind of understand what they are doing and you can understand that sometimes they have limitation as well. Once you get in, how do you stay in? I mean, at least for FX, because I'm not like in other division, but I would say that staying curious is super important. It's not like, I mean, you know, you just always want to progress and it's not because you have this job that you can have better or like do better shots as well. And uh, also because it can be like a bit frustrating when you start the industry. Uh, I was lucky enough not to have this because I started directly as a mid-level and not a junior. But like it can be frustrating if you like watch tutorials on YouTube and you like see that you can do great things and you feel like you are able to do like hero shots because there is a tutorial that show you that. Uh, it can be frustrating to start as a junior and start from basically the bottom, you know, doing secondary effects, background stuff. But at the same time, I feel like it's important to learn to enjoy it because those secondary effects or those secondary animation, no matter what, this is important as well for the film. Like the company will never give a job that is useless to someone because he's a junior. I know that the people, the artist can feel that what he's doing is useless, but if he's paid for it, and if the company gave him this specific task, there is a reason behind it. We had artists on Assassin's Creed Mirage who did like background smokes in the market of Baghdad. But basically that's super important. It's part of the mood of the image as well. So there is no like small effects, small tasks, small animation, everything is important. Of course there is the hero ones, but for me, I would say that you should enjoy anything. That's what I try to do actually, when I have to do some saliva on like secondary characters, I'm still saying, okay, that's a fun, that's a fun thing. Let's learn from it. And uh, most of my uh, senior colleagues told me that what they are trying to do is like when they have this kind of repetitive task, they are trying to find different ways to do it every time. This way, even if you are doing a lot of background stuff, like background smokes, if every time you are trying to learn new techniques to do it, it's never that boring. Well, Pierre, I uh, think that wraps us up. Thanks a lot for, for stopping by and, and giving us insight into the world of uh, game trailers and cinematics. Uh, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much.
All right, that's going to wrap up our show for this week. We want to thank Pierre again for being our guest. To find out more about Mudstack, head over to mudstack.com where you can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and join our community on Discord. And of course, we want to thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Clear as Mud. Mm-hmm.